Welcome to PB with Jays, and that's no baloney. And now your intrepid and synaptic host, Jacob and Joseph. Thanks for the intro, Pops. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Mr. Ramsey. Yeah, we finally got you on the show. It was hilarious, and we laughed every time we listened. <laughs> we listened to it quite a bit, too. Oh, man. So we hope all the other listeners thought it was as funny and as quirky as we did. It was pretty great. Anyway, that was this week's guest introducer, my dad. Who we've been promising for probably five episodes now. Yeah, it wasn't any... Well, it seemed like it would not be an easy process. Um, and it certainly wasn't trying to convert the video to audio or figure that out, John. Yeah, it was weird. But we just played it from our phone into our microphone <laughs> and it worked okay. Worked out. <laughs> Old-fashioned way, I guess. Um, yeah, so that was the intro this week for the podcast. Welcome to PB with Jace. Uh, I'm Joseph. I'm Jacob. And this week, we got a pretty cool lineup for you. It's one that I had never heard of, so I always like to get to do a little research on new neurological quandaries when we get a chance, but I'm sure you hadn't heard of it either. You might be surprised, but you're <laughs> correct. I haven't, um, which isn't unlike many of the things we will talk about. Oh, man. Well, before we jump into that one, how have you been? I've been solid. Yeah? Yeah. Classes... Class is going well. You got a fun fact for us this week? Well, <laughs> I feel like I always do, and then I forget by the time we talk. And so <laughs> it does happen pretty were, consistently. <laughs> Joseph and I were talking about it. She's like, oh, we'll just look up stuff online. And so we looked at it, and eventually we came to one that said an eagle could, like, kill and pick up a baby deer <laughs> and fly away with it. So we spent a few minutes trying to find videos <laughs> of eagles attacking things, and then we eventually got sad by watching <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty sad so we we stopped so yeah our original inspiration for looking up said videos was because it didn't seem possible i was a little incredulous so i went and looked for it and it was just sad yeah just so don't do that yeah listeners back home <laughs> um oh oh wait, yeah nothing nothing i was hoping that eventually like it would just oh, be me, was, but no. i had hope all right well that's our our fun fact segment for the week <laughs> don't watch videos of eagles <laughs> killing things that is a, that's a good good little life fun fact there not only our fact is our fact fun but it's helpful for like it's helpful life. yeah if you ever came across that just don't do it yeah you're welcome people all right well this week like i said we've got one i have never heard of before beforehand at least obviously i've heard of it now but anyway uh it's called cocaine syndrome it's one of the better names we've come across, too. It's kind of neat and doesn't really tell you anything about the disease, which is also confusing. And as a little side tangent, a lot of, I don't know, medical literature has been suggesting more efficient ways of n- naming things. So medical nomenclature, basically. And one of the things that they've mentioned is that a lot of diseases that have been observed are named after the people who first observed them, which doesn't do you much good because then you just have to memorize a bunch of names that correlate with some symptoms or a disease. Instead, you could put a sort of description of the disease 
within the name itself. And then so if you read it, you're like, oh, it has to do with X, Y, or Z. And then it'll help trigger more memories about, um, you know, what you've learned about that disease. But anyway, random tangent there. <laughs> Cocaine syndrome. There we go. All right, so what do we got with this one? Well, I'll give a brief definition um, from NIH. What does NIH stand for? The National Institutes of Health. From the National Institutes of Health. It's pretty much the U.S. leader in biomedical research. Oh, cool beans. We got a good source then. That's right. All right. Uh, From NIH, cocaine syndrome is a rare disorder characterized by an abnormally small head size, failure to gain weight, and grow at the expected rate, leading to a very short stature and delayed development. Yeah, which sounds pretty broad for those of you listening. But interestingly, this was... Of all the things we've researched so far, this was one of the more well-defined ones. That could either lead you to say two things. That could either lead you to say, all right, well, we seem to have had some good and conclusive research on the topic. Or it could lead you to say, it's so rare that we haven't studied it enough to realize how confusing it actually is. (laughs) I'm almost inclined to think it's the latter. But as of now, (laughs) it's it's the former. Yeah, Yeah, but that 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 makes it, because what, it's like... um... One or two out of every million people in the United States. I don't remember, but I think that's what the that sounds is. about right. It's, it's quite rare. Yeah, that's pretty rare. So that's a small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, as of now, we we think we have a decent understanding of it, but I'm sure if studies ever go further, um, it won't take long for us to realize that we don't. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, like you said, uh, microcephaly is is one of the huge characterizations, and you said small head. And that's that's what microcephaly is. And we'll mention in the science portion a little bit of how that microcephaly develops within the brain. But yeah, that's one of the hallmark characteristics. And another sort of common symptom that is seen and a sign of uh, CS, which is what we'll probably refer to it most of the time because cocaine syndrome, CS uh, so another sign of CS is sensitivity to light. So it's called photosensitivity. This one's kind of interesting and is connected with a lot of the biological underpinnings. So that's kind of cool, too, when you see how a symptom connects to what you find in the research. Mm-hmm. And this um, sensitivity is, is not just, like, with eyes. I mean, it does affect right. sensitivity in your eyes, but it's also, like, skin. Like, it's sunburned very easily. Yeah, there's uh, a thousand-fold like increased chance of conduct, uh, contracting skin cancer, like you were mentioning um, sensitivity with your skin. And thousandfold is 10, like 10 to the fourth or whatever. So it's like a big difference. I don't know how those fold things work. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Just know that that's massive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, a big, big difference. Um, so, yeah, that's what I found. So much, much higher risk of developing skin cancer, almost to the point where um, it's, it's like commonplace for people with CS. Uh, vision loss is another one kind of related to that photosensitivity also with your, your retinal cells. Uh, I don't know what else, what else goes on. Um, so other things uh, like tooth decay, bone abnormalities, um, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like bone, yeah, and we'll see also later bone calcium, that system of, of calcium flow throughout your body is affected with um, what they call 
uh, bone, no, what are they, brain stones in your brain, so calcified patches. But anyway, we'll get into that a little oh. bit too. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. I had no idea yeah. what you were talking about is related to the podcast today. Yeah. But I do remember you mentioning that That's earlier. the one. <laughs> um, and then other things, this, this seemed most apparent in the stuff I was looking at, but the appearance of aging uh, prematurely, um, that's a symptom. Yeah, that's um, a big thing they look at for diagnoses also. Uh, and then there's also issues with internal organs. Um, problems that, can arise there. That's actually the leading cause of death usually. is. Um, so what's affected are your neurons and your, your sensory systems. But after a while, the degeneration of those systems, it kind of inhibits your ability to regulate your internal organs. So it's either a kidney failure or a pulmonary obstructions are, are usually leading causes of death in cocaine syndrome. Yeah. And kind of speaking of that, um, the lifespan of those with CS is drastically reduced. And it kind of depends on which, um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the different categories or types of them, um, which some people say isn't so much a thing, it's more of a spectrum. But yeah. um, uh, the expected or life expectancy is different and it can kind of range from, you know, just a few years up to into the 20s or into adulthood mm. um, but it is certainly um, shortened with with this disorder yeah it's a lot um, a lot younger and yeah because usually there's a there's like a rare form a subset that's a late onset and even in that one your life expectancy isn't much longer than 50 which is pretty young but the other two which are early onset you don't live past usually age 10 so it's pretty young but yeah, so we should get into that. You mentioned it. I mentioned it a little bit too with the classifications because these are kind of helpful to think through. I also think this is an interesting little peek into the medical world. Uh, there's there's the current system that we have, and then there are people who are suggesting a system based on genetic findings. And so these two systems kind of coexist to a certain degree, but also don't to a large degree. <laughs> And even in a lot of the stuff that I would read about those saying it was kind of divided into three types would say that there are cases where it's kind of in between them. Right, exactly. So, Which is why I think people would rather classify it by genetic systems because um, then you can have that overlap. Because if, if you have mutations in genes that you've noticed, you can say it's uh, like if you have gene A, B, and C that are commonly associated with CS, you can say it's type AB or type AC or just type A or something like that instead of saying type 1, 2, and 3, which sometimes overlap and sometimes don't exist at all and sometimes one fits one category halfway and one category another halfway and it gets kind of confusing. But anyway, for now, we have 1, 2, and 3 if you want to hit on those for us. And this is kind of the standard medical diagnostic classification. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so we have type 1. Um, is it, Would this be the most common? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what I read. Like the standard kind of yeah. default one. Yeah, so typically everything uh, kind of seems to go normally through fetal stages. What is that what you would say? Yeah, like um, through yeah development. Through mm -hmm. birth. Um, but birth, then yeah. um, within the first couple years, uh, symptoms will start appearing. Um, and then um, things like vision, hearing... Um, kind of start becoming impacted by that and you can kind of notice within the first couple of years. Right. 
Um, and this is one where lifespan can kind of range from, you know, up to around 10, but can also go up to around 20. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, does that cover most of type 1? Seems like type 1. So type 1, I think, is generally considered the mild type, maybe? Or moderate. I think it's moderate. I think it's moderate. Yeah, yeah. and then type 3 is mild and type 2 is severe. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so type 2, the severe version. Um, in, in this case, you kind of notice symptoms right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they progress a little bit more quickly, right? Yep. And this one's congenital also, which is means present at birth. So type 3 is, is we'll get there, but is often not like not at all congenital and can be can develop later in life. Type 1 is a little grayer uh, where this it's probably something that happens before birth, but it's also a little bit confusing, but type 2 is like definitely present in the womb um, from the moment the the baby is born. Type 2 is there. So that's why it's the more severe version also. Mhm. Yeah, and and then the effects of it are more severe and then lifespan is shortened. Yeah. Um, less than, than type one. Uh, and then like you said, type three can, you kind of notice it later on. And, right. Uh, I don't know what else to add to that. I think you kind of, yeah, it's like adult onset, I think is often how it's considered. Although adult has a misleading term that pretty much just means after age 15, more or less. Okay. So, and that's usually when they see it, if it comes up for, for that type three and that can be, like a new mutation in your gene. So type 1 and 2, especially type 2, the mutation is present beforehand. But with type 3, they've seen that sometimes a, a new mutation can occur. It's actually, I don't know, you have anything else on, on the general stuff? We might just dive into the genetics of it. Um, I don't think I had any. Is, is type 3 the most rare, though? Is that right? Uh, That sounds right. Is that what you found? I think so okay <laughs> if you, listeners if you find something different let us know i think that seems correct i i think i think you're right i'm pretty sure that sounds right um and we can maybe rifle through notes or something and see but yeah i think that sounds right to me too but yeah you don't you don't have anything else no let's, generally we okay can, we can jump on into science cool then let's transition try and make that a smooth transition into the genetics uh, so I was saying that type 3 can sometimes be caused by a new mutation that arises in one of these particular genes that scientists have identified. And what the most common type that they've seen is called a frame shift mutation. The, the best, I guess, metaphor or analogy or whatever I have for this is when you're making a copy of something, like a book. Have you ever done this in the library? Have you used the copiers when you're doing research? I'm in the business school. I don't do that much research. Uh, okay. Well, I had to do it for like a Spanish paper. Um, and so you have to make a copy of the book because they won't let you take the book out. And so what happened a few times is I had the book too far over on the, on the copier like range, the field that it would copy. And so it would cut off sections of the words. And I think that's a good metaphor for a frame shift mutation because it doesn't necessarily like... So some mutations are deletions, and one of your genetic letters disappears. Some of them change the letters unintentionally. So those are often, like the cha- the small changes of letters are minor. But a frame shift changes the way you read the page, um, so to say. So it, so it shifts all of your words in a particular way where the entire message is completely different. So the copier was 
kind of cutting off letters in a way that made me read it in an entirely different way is a rough analogy. Um, so to say that the, the shift mutation, the frame shift mutation, completely changes the way that this DNA is read. So this gene that's associated with CS is altered in a way that's very harmful and um, you can't, it's irreversible essentially also. But anyway, so that's frame shift mutation. But using that to sort of translate into the genes um, that are modified in the genetics of CS. So I know a lot of times we just kind of skip over the genes because it's not very clearly defined and they're sort of complicated and it's a bunch of acronyms and all this weird stuff. But with CS, we've actually, like I said, we're trying to, or not we, and we're not trying to, but some people have suggested moving into a genetic method of categorizing CS. So we've had a lot of genes that have been identified and studied with CS. So uh, the five big ones that people would use for categories are CSA, uh, CSB, XPB, XPD, and XPG. And these are all named um, for being involved with CS and are involved with, with what is called the uh, nucleotide excision DNA repair mechanism. And this is the way that the body fixes genes that have been mutated in some way. See, I'm actually following this because I did read some of the stuff um, that kind of explained is like, uh, is um, make it make people unable to repair or fix yeah exactly DNA. exactly wow i'm following along <laughs> this is amazing um yeah so these genes have been associated with this it's called ner um this ner system and that can lead to a whole lot of complications and that's what we've seen in cs the the confusing part is why these specific genes lead to these specific complications because there are other genes that are involved with NER in other diseases and syndromes that don't lead to this specific set of symptoms. So why are these five? Not really sure yet, but it's good that we have these five. And so the, the, gen, the genetic components of this are really important. Um, but one big thing to kind of tie back with what we talked about with the photosensitivity, with the being sensitive to light and the UV, like you said, the reason that UV rays, especially and just light in general, um, is really damaging to people with CS is because the lack of this NER system. So um, how should I preface this? Jacob, are UV rays good for you? Not a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, they're not good for you. Your body doesn't like them. Um, that's that's like the big theory of um, why skin cancer develops is this overexposure to UV rays causes damage to your cells. And that's kind of what people will tell you in the media. What they don't tell you is that the damage to your cells that's occurring is to your DNA because your DNA is pretty sensitive to the high energy rays that are being emitted by the sun in the form of uh, UV rays. So these rays are really bad for you. And what they specifically do is damage your DNA in, in a range of manners. Um, but usually you have methods in place for fixing this. So skin cancer, you can kind of look at it in two ways for developing. It can either be because you just have way too many UV rays and your body can't keep up, which is what would happen for people who are tanning outside a lot, that kind of thing. Or your body doesn't have enough mechanisms to repair itself, which is what happens in CS, which is why you see that correlation with skin cancer. 
Okay. It's also why the the UV is, is sensitive. So, um, so yeah, your your cells can't repair the DNA that they need to because the mechanisms that are usually there are just way less resourced than they usually are. It's like having a weak army in a war. It's not going to go well. It doesn't matter how many troops the other side has, you're not going to be able to defend yourself. Or uh, in soccer, if you have a red card on a player. You know, I'm trying to make analogies here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's what we see for, for gene mutations and DNA. And we see there are DNA sensitive to it. So then your next question might be, I can see it in your brain right now, it says, well, then why are neurons affected, right? Yeah, why, why, why are neurons affected? <laughs> Great question, Jacob. <laughs> why are neurons affected? So similarly, like we said, DNA is sort of the sensitive component of your cells that gets attacked most easily by UV rays or other photosensitivity. Um, your neurons are some of the most sensitive cells in your body. They don't regenerate very well. Uh, we used to think they didn't regenerate at all, but we found that to be false. They still regenerate a lot more slowly than a lot of other uh, types of cells do. So neurons are extra sensitive to this just because they're sensitive cells. They have a particular um, pH range and a particular ion concentration, and all of these things that make them function optimally. Um, so it makes them sensitive to things such as DNA damage. So again, the question is, why these particular regions of the brain and, and why um, this particular progress of pathology in CS, why doesn't it just look like Parkinson's? Because those are cells dying too, right? That's kind of the question where it gets a little bit iffy. Um, you know, why, why are these particular subsets of neurons being affected? We don't really know. But we do know that because neurons are more sensitive than a lot of other cells, the damage that occurs from photosensitivity and this lack of NER in, in your body um, uh, will lead to the CS symptoms. So then another thing you might be thinking is, oh, that makes sense why a lot of times there's visual impairment because your eyes are the most directly exposed to these damaging rays because um, you're not really, you're not getting rays directly into your brain all the time, right? There's like a layer of protection in your skull and that sort of thing. So your eyes are just directly exposed. So it all kind of makes sense. It's all connected and um, this progress of, of why it happens. So that's a little bit of the ge genetics transferring a little bit into the the neural atrophy um, and then another component of that the neural atrophy specifically there are a couple subsets or, or regions and um, some of the regions are in the cortex where there's a little bit of atrophy and um, but in the basal ganglia and the cerebellum there's a lot of neural atrophy so you mentioned a um, a symptom and a diagnostic sign last at the beginning, um, let's see, you said uh, there's a smaller brain size, I believe you said something like that. If I didn't, um, I'd like to mention that <laughs> that's, that can be a symptom is smaller brain size. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said that. And then I said it's microcephaly is what it's known as. Yeah, yeah, you did yeah. mention that. And the connection here is that you have this, this DNA not being repaired, Neur neurons are super sensitive, particularly neurons in your cerebellum, um, a little bit in your cortex, basal ganglia, and because those are being lost, your head is, is shrinking in size because those cells are dying off, and that's causing microcephaly. So you can see how it all kind of connects and, and works together in this pathology. Again, we don't know why those specific neurons and those specific regions, but the whole process itself 
kind of makes scientific sense. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Cool? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, so that's a little bit in the, the neural atrophy. And that's with the neurons itself in particular regions. We also have some atrophy that's happening in general with um, myelin-producing cells, so glial cells. Do you remember glial cells and or myelin? Of course. Glial cells are your favorite cells in the whole wide world. Yes, they are. And they kind of... <laughs> They do a lot. Um, they do more than this, but they support the neurons. That's right. Uh, and then myelin, I, I looked this up before <laughs> before the episode this week. Well um, done, sir. So I have it pulled up. So myelin is like a fatty substance, and it surrounds the axons in, in the neurons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of insulated and are really necessary for just general functions of yeah. neurons. It makes them efficient, basically. Um, I know your axon comparison back in episode one maybe two very early episode on two we didn't talk about science in episode that's right one. we just kind of rambled in episode <laughs> <laughs> uh so episode two was the the cable the axon was the cable on which the information is transferred essentially an axon without myelin is a really slow cable that doesn't really do you much good for communication so without myelin things just go bad in general so like without so like myelin is a fast pass when you go to a to like an amusement <laughs> Get right park. on that roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So myelin makes things efficient. Do you remember the connection between myelin and glial cells? This is the real difficult question here. It's uh, no. Fair enough. It was a it was a tough one. It was a tough one. Yeah. Uh, so myelin is produced by particular classifi- classifications of glial cells. So specifically in your central nervous system, you have your oligodendrocytes. In your peripheral nervous system, you have your Schwann cells. Okay. Uh, so I... what they have found is that Schwann cells and oligodendrocytes are also dying off along with the neurons and the specific regions of your cerebellum, basal ganglia, and cortex. So why specifically myelin-producing uh, cells are being targeted here? Not really sure. Another one that it's, it's been identified, it's been noted, um, but why these cells in particular is a little bit of a mystery still. Um, but it has been seen. There's been a lot of myelin loss, and that's another big diagnostic tool um, that, that people can notice is this loss of myelin. And I would like to point out just for a quick second that I think I'm following a lot of what you're saying, actually. Like, it's been a solid episode. <laughs> oligodendrites, that's, is that right? Yeah, oligodendrocytes. Dendrocytes, close enough. Those, Pretty close. That's familiar. Schwann cells, that's familiar. Yeah, Central man. Nervous system, peripheral nervous system. I'm following along. I do need to come up with better ways to answer you when I don't know the answer. <laughs> um, but Just when, like a creative list of witty <laughs> remarks or something. Probably, but um, I think I am learning things. So That's the goal. Yeah. It's working. Now continue on. Hopefully sir. it's working for listeners out there. Um, but yeah, so like I said, loss of myelin it's basically seen everywhere. I don't know. I sent you a pretty good paper that I think you went and read through. It's actually one of the more approachable scientific papers that I've found on these topics. Um, but but one of the boxes had this nice little compact, I don't know, organization of a summary of some of the neural hallmarks and where they're found. And you, you see like neural loss in a few regions, um, gliosis in a few regions. You don't have to know what that is. Uh, calcification, we'll mention that. And it's all like kind of in a few regions, but demyelination pretty much happens everywhere, which is, like I said, really bad for proper neural functioning. Um, so anyway, demyelination. And then the last thing is, is not really easily connected with all the other ones. 
but it's something that was seen in the very first description. I found a paper from 1952 that was talking about neural calcifications as seen in um, cocaine syndrome. So there are these patches of calcified brain matter in your brain, um, and they call them brain stones because it's kind of a play on words with kidney stones, which are also just rocks of calcium. I'm familiar with them. Yep, you uh, you went through that unpleasant experience. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they have neural stones, these brain stones, and these are patches of, of calcified brain matter. I couldn't find a great reason as to, to why they're happening. I know we mentioned the, the bone abnormalities a little bit earlier, and that's connected because bone is, is the main regulatory component of your calcium, um, your ions that flow through your body. But why there would be these big buildups and, and stone calcification happening in your brain, they also found that um, a big component of these, these plaques, um, these stones, are iron also, which is kind of weird. So, like, is there something else going on? Um, you know, blood regulates a lot of your iron movement. Maybe there's something with, with blood transfusion or a blood diffusion transfusion <laughs> um so anyway i don't know it's a a weird question but it's something that's seen in pretty much all cases of cs are these calcified patches and as you could guess having calcified patches in your brain where there were once connective tissue and communicating neurons is not good so that's all i got for that one pretty much but anyway i think that's all i got for the science in general though to be honest that's a pretty easy flow i think um all the way starting at uv exposure and dna repair and all through the rest of it if you want to give it a whirl in your weekly recap the weekly recap where shall i start um gene genes that stuff seems like a good start to me yeah i think that's where we started yep um with the frame shift when you're making copies in the library that's right um so it affects your way of reading the dna Right, and and so it results kind of like we mentioned. You can't really fix any of the issues right. um, that are going going on in there. Um, and that's that's specifically with type three. With the other types, it's unknown, but there's still a mutation, so the concept still applies. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but then, yeah, you mentioned also the UV sensitivity um, with the issues there, especially with neurons because they don't regenerate as quickly. Yeah. Kind of. A little bit extra sensitive to that. That's right. Um, they just they just have emotions that need to be tended to. Yeah, and then you mentioned NER. What does NER mean again? Uh, nucleotide excision repair. Uh, nucleotide excision DNA repair, technically. But yeah, so basically something goes wrong with your DNA. This system is there. It's a set of genes that fixes it. And in CS, the genes that are heavily associated with the fixing are broken. So. Okay. Cool. Um, another thing you talked about was neural atrophy. Mm -hmm. um, so neural, pretty simple. Atrophy, when I hear that word, I think of exploding death. Yeah, um, pretty much. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so that happens, especially in what basal ganglia and yep. cerebellum. Mm -hmm. uh, Little cortex, too. In the cor yep. and, then, and overall, that attributes, contributes, sorry, to microcephaly. Which is the smaller head. Yep. Right. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Uh, then we also have issues with um, calcifications. The brain stones 
um, which kind of get in the brain, can block some of the communications that would otherwise be happening more regularly. Yep. Um, and then what else do we have? Issues with, we talked about myelin. Yeah, is that, it? that was the other big one. So there was neural loss as well as glial loss, neuronal loss and glial loss, so I should say. And the glial loss was with the myelin. All right. Yeah. Does so that, Does that cover it? Pretty much. Same concept as calcification where you're, you're losing myelin and you're losing a lot of your ability to communicate effectively with your neurons. Yeah. Can't so, ride the roller coasters as quickly. That's right. Can't can't do that fast pass. <laughs> um, yeah. And so connecting all of this to, or I guess more of the, the myelin, but really all of it, because a lot of what we went back to was how the communication was working. And the leading cause of death is either um, some sort of lung abnormality, so a pulmonary issue, or a renal issue, which is a um, kidney abnormality, um, or a renal is, yeah, kidney, liver is hepatic. Yeah, so anyway, um, so it's kidney failure or lung failure, basically, and it all makes sense when you trace it all the way back to the beginning. UV exposure breaks down DNA. We can't fix our DNA, um, and other things break down DNA too, but that's why UV exposure is particularly damaging, um, but we can't fix it. Neurons are particularly sensitive. There's sort of two paths where you're losing neurons um, for communication in your brain. It's going to affect a lot of the way that you move and you function. You're also losing myelin because of glial death, um, again, affecting the way you communicate. Uh, you're having some calcium buildups, again, affecting the way you communicate. And collectively, that impairs your ability to breathe. Um, even heart rates oftentimes mis, uh, misregulated, um, you know, renal failure, all of these Organ failures is usually the cause of death, tracing all the way back to our inability to fix our DNA, which is pretty crazy. That's the story, yeah. as far as we understand it now. And I will say, like, if you want a little bit more than just hearing us talk about the sciencey stuff, I'm trying to get in a better habit of, like, watching videos and things yeah. like that. And that really kind of humanizes it, and you're able to see what the effects are, um, in what, what it looks like in reality. Um which isn't a particularly pleasant thing right. to, to watch, I guess, but it's informative and, and helpful in kind of understanding what's going on and, and what this looks like yeah. um, in real life. I agree. 100%. Couldn't said it better. All right, well, I think that's all we got for this week. This felt like a good episode. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> See what people say. But, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, pbwithjays at gmail.com. You can also send us in an intro to the podcast if you want to do that. We'll just take a little recording, find a quiet place, send it on in, and we'll stick it on at the beginning. That's been pretty fun, I think, getting to kind of hear different people do different things. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Oh, another thing, you started doing posts on Fridays. Yeah, I'm going to try and do that. Um, I'm shooting for every Friday. It may change to every other, depending on how scheduling and stuff like that goes. But yeah, on Fridays, I'm going to try and do... Just a little recap of some things that I found in the neuroscience world. Um, we did a little listener interview type thing last week with one of our friends, um, Frankie, who listens. So that's another thing. If you're interested in doing that, I'll definitely get connected with you in that sense. Um, we'll also just do some um, interesting, I guess, listener engagement. We're going to try and do stuff with that. I'm um, just kind of have a more of a presence online and on Facebook, which we're really, really, <laughs> really bad about. <laughs> we emphasize that every week. <laughs> I think it's worse too, but anyway, so yeah, you can also check us out on Facebook. It's a good segue there. And other than that, I think that's, that's all I got, man. 
Cool. Well, um, this week was synaptic. <laughs>